to the Silva Lining, brought to you by the Silva Feria Funeral Home, right here on 1480 WSAR. To join the conversation, call 508-673-1480. Hi, and welcome to the Silva Lining. I'm your host, Amy Silva Rigtrup, Funeral Director at Silva Feria Funeral Homes in Fall River, also with a location in Somerset. If anyone would like to call in today and join in the conversation, the number is 508-673-1480. I would love to hear from you if you have questions, comments, topic ideas, anything you'd like to ever ask a funeral director, now is your chance. Um, Today's show is kind of a mishmash, I guess I'd like to call it. Um, There's a lot of things that have kind of been in the back of my mind that I want to talk about, and... I figured today I'd kind of put them all together. And when I looked at everything in front of me, um, I guess generally what everything falls into is public versus private or public and private. Not just in terms of services. There are options where some families like services to be public, some families like services to be private. I'm going to get into how that works, what that means, um, advantages to the families for both of those options but also public and private in terms of public grieving. Um, there's there's this whole age, and I guess you can say it kind of started back when Abraham Lincoln died. That's really when the funeral industry kind of became mainstream in the terms that a, a death, a notable death like Abraham Lincoln, not only was known throughout the country, but his body, I don't know if many people know this, uh, it was the first person that died that was pretty famously known for being embalmed. And the reason that he was embalmed was because his body was actually put on a train. And that train went through most of the country and made all these stops so that all these different states and people of his loved country could see his body, could see the family, could kind of partake in a wake, so to say, um, among the country. So society and the public view and the public engagement in deaths when you talk about celebrities, um, politicians, even like with the Internet these days, there are Internet celebrities. There are people that you hear about on the Internet through news and through blogs that are doing incredible things. Um, You end up being able to follow their stories. You end up hearing about people that pass away, you and your your lives every day in this country are being touched by people that you may or may not know. Um, so when celebrities pass away, when internet celebrities pass away, um, there is an element of grief and an element of engagement as a society that we're kind of part of what what grief comes along when those people pass away. And I have to say kind of some of it's beautiful that we can feel that way about people that we may know or not know. Um, What comes to mind for me is is remembering how I felt when I found out Robin Williams died, Michael Jackson. Um, I'm sure everybody has a list of famous deaths, and it looks like I already have a call. So I'm going to answer that call and then get back to what I'm talking about. Hi, thank you so much for calling the Silver Lining. Hi, I read in the paper... For veterans and often it says full military honors. How yes. is that? What, what, what exactly are they meaning by full military honors? Uh, full military honors usually sometimes is generalized, 
But when it says that someone's receiving full military honors, like, did it say in the obituary that they were receiving? Right, that's where I have seen it. Yes, uh, the families usually note that to say that the person's receiving military honors at their funeral. Um, that means when you get to the cemetery, there will be a military honor guard represented by whichever branch the deceased served in, whether it be the Army, Navy, Air Force, uh, Marines. Um, and what or they Coast Guard. Or Coast Guard. Thank you. I knew I was <laughs> blanking on something. See, it's everybody helps in this industry. It's great. Yeah. Um, so you'll see them at attention when you arrive at the cemetery, and at the minimum they – play taps, and they fold the flag and present it to the family on behalf of the president and the nation. Um, if there's enough people available and if it's requested, there's also sometimes a firing squad. Oh, okay. Um, and I know one of the rules that I learned about is whatever rank the deceased held, the highest rank that that person held, someone in that military honor guard that's at the cemetery has to equal his rank or outrank him. So oh, I know okay. those are part of it there, but it's, huh. it's really nice when the family mentions it in the obituary because it is a thing of huh. honor that, that every veteran is entitled to. Now, that's arranged by the funeral home? Yeah, usually it's arranged by the funeral home. The military branches actually make it really easy for us. They, they oh, keep okay. us updated with forms that we fax in, and then they confirm with us and help huh. us get them all the information that they need. Okay, I just seen it. Just wondered how that's done. I am a veteran, but I'm not planning it yet. <laughs> well, we're not ready uh, for you yet, so I hope okay. I hope it's a very long time. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. <laughs> I love when people call. It's always so great. Yeah, I guess I guess it's already time for a break. So when we come back, we're going to expand a little bit more on why I'm I'm talking about this public and private kind of sector, I guess of grief in the funeral industry, so please come back to the silver lining after the break. You're listening to The Silver Lining, brought to you by the Silva Feria Funeral Home. Welcome back to the Silva Lining. I'm your host, Amy Silva Rigtrup, funeral director at Silva Faria Funeral Homes in Fall River and in Somerset. My blog for the show, which summarizes every show that I've done since January that I've started. I can't believe it's already October. Um, you can access the blog at www.the, T-H-E, Silva, S-I-L, V as in Victor, A, Lining, L-I-N-I-N-G, dot org. And at that blog, you'll find a summary of every single show that I've done, um, references that I might have mentioned on the show, and links to every podcast. So if you've missed any show or want to share any information with anyone you know, that's the place to do it. And it's also a great place to reach out directly to me if there's anything you'd like to ask or talk about that you wouldn't like to share on the air. You can reach me anytime by emailing amy at thesilvalining.org. So I don't know if you caught the music coming in after the break, but it helps tie into another piece of this mishmash of a topic I have today, um, Batman. And a lot of this starts with, I know I've mentioned in past shows, I'm a mother of twins. My twins are four years old. And for the past two years, they've been pretty epically obsessed with Batman and Robin. 
Um, one of my sons is Batman, and the other one is Robin, and it's kind of perfect for twins. They're they're the dynamic duo. So we've been just really interested in Batman as parents. You know, we're always buying stuff and looking for stuff and telling them about Batman. And and Batman stands out to me and always has because he's he's that superhero that has no powers. You know, he's driven by his own mission, and obviously he has money. But it's really his drive and his mission that brings him to do the things that he wants to do. And to put in my son's own words, um, here's a little tidbit, since I promised them they could be part of my show someday. Um, here are my sons explaining why they love being Batman and Robin. We're the Batman duo. And we help people and make them feel happy. Aw. And what are your names? Batman, Batman is <laughs> They're so much fun. Uh, I mean, Joe. Joe's famous for running into the kitchen in the middle of the day with his mask on, saying, Mommy, I just need to save the day, and going out on his mission. And Robin's playing with a fake computer, looking for the coordinates of the bad bad guys. Um, so Batman leads me, you know, to do a lot of research. And I want to say maybe seven or eight months ago, I came across a documentary on Netflix and it's called it's called Legends of the Night and it's still on Netflix if anyone wants to watch it but what stood out to me about this documentary is it it's about the essence of Batman and how all of these people all over the country and i think parts of the world are emulating this essence of Batman in their own communities in different ways that that they're showing this um, and they showed a lot of different examples and it was so heartfelt and so touching. And as a mother, I was like, Oh, you know, I can't wait to, to show them this. Like, this is what, you know, you, you love Batman and Robin and hopefully you will for a long time. And, and maybe we can, we can do our own little Batman emulation in the future. Um, and one of the, the parts of the documentary was about this gentleman, um, Leonard B. Robinson. Uh, he's a, He's a gentleman that that has some money and loves Batman. And he started dressing up in costume and visiting children's hospitals. And he would visit all these sick children. I think it was in the Maryland or Virginia area. Um, and he would just brighten their day. You know, he'd visit them. He'd, he'd tell them things like, do Batman a favor and get better. You know, and he'd bring them comics and he'd talk with them and he had like the coolest costume. And he even went so far as to refurbish a Lamborghini and make a Batmobile. And and he he became pretty famous on the Internet because uh, there was a police video where his Batmobile got pulled over and the cops, you know, pull over the Batmobile. And you can see it in the video. I'll try to find the link and post it to the blog later. But you see Batman get out of the car in his full suit, just leaving the hospital. And the cops have this banter with him back and forth, end up taking pictures with him. And watching this documentary and just all the things, how much this guy devotes to helping the children that he helps. And and all in the name of Batman, I was just moved so much about this. And in August, when I was in California, after I got my daughter to bed, I was just, you know, looking on the Internet and I saw something pop up in my feed that the Route 29 Batman has has died. And my heart stopped for a second. And I was like, oh, this can't be true. And it said there's there's a video. There's a video. And I'm thinking, oh, this must be, you know, a confusion about him being pulled over. So I kept researching and researching. And it turned out he left 
a hospital after visiting kids and it was in the evening and his Batmobile had a problem. So he pulled over on the side of the road and got out to check his engine and somebody struck the Batmobile and he was killed. And I have to tell you, I spent about an hour crying and just reading all these things about him and how long he's been doing this and all these beautiful stories and and reading the comments that people were posting and and even patients and kids were posting that he had visited in the past and how much he's just helped them and lifted their spirits and it just was such an example to me of how how deeply and genuinely we can all be touched by other people's lives through this world that we're in where we're able to share all of our lives through internet, through media, through newspaper, through radio, beyond just the communities that we're in. Even though, you know, you can say a million different ways how media is the downfall of this and the downfall of that, there is still beauty in this. There is still good things that are shared. There are still good things on the news. And when it comes to grief and to death, there's nothing wrong with feeling heartfelt grief about a celebrity or an internet personality or, or somebody that you don't know that touched your life. And, and I think somehow it gets sent back out into the universe and where we're kind of putting that love together. And I think he's feeling all of that, especially by what I've read on the, on the internet about him. And I found a couple articles about it that I want to share on the blog as well. If anyone wants to read more about what he's done and the money that he's raised and just, Oh, I, I want to cry now just thinking about him. So, so that kind of tied into this whole idea of public and private. And with celebrities, when celebrities pass away, you know, with the media today, there's if you search, you can see a lot of actual you know funeral services. There's video on there you can find for like I think eulogies and parts of the service for Whitney Houston, for Michael Jackson. For um, I think Robin Williams even there's there's a lot of tributes on there, and even though a lot of people kind of speculate that oh you know we shouldn't idealize or or go against the privacy of the family we need to respect the family I think all that is being respected, and the family is still allowed to have their privacy and a lot of families do release beautiful notes saying that that their privacy is being respected, but that they appreciate all the beautiful tributes that they're seeing and and getting comfort from everything that they're receiving and viewing on the Internet. I know with Robin Williams, there are still unbelievable videos put together of clips from his past movies that that just still make me cry. Um, And there's just so many elements, I think, that as a society, we're all kind of being part of this huge viral or internet virtual wake. And when you break that down, it's the same elements that communities provide to each other at actual wakes when they come to a funeral home. Um, you come to see the family, yes, in, in person, and give them hugs and offer your support. But a big part of the wake is is being there, showing the family the evidence of how many people the person that they loved touched and all the different ways that their lives were affected by this person that they loved. And a huge part of it, too, is the stories that families hear at wakes and the memories and the inspirations and the lessons that they learned. And and those are the things that, that help families probably the most. 
Oop. <laughs> and music. See, music, music helps as well. Um, a lot of people these days are playing music in the background at wakes, and it really helps helps have that. You know, a, a lot of families I've met with have have brought up issues with um, issues with silence. You know, even in a room full of people, they just want something to kind of cut the silence, um, even when people are talking, like something in the background. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said about public and private and 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 grieving for for celebrities, even for celebrities that don't exist. I remember being a kid and coming home, and my mom was really into soap operas. I still watch Young and the Restless, thanks to her, and the stories connect back to when I was a kid. It's unbelievable. But I remember coming home from school one day, and my mom was crying about somebody that died. And I was like, oh, no, who was it? Thinking it was somebody in the family, and it was a character on a soap opera that she watched. But she was heartfeltly, you know, deeply sad and she had every right to be i mean though this person didn't exist this was a story and this was somebody like mentally she was kind of invested in and and i think that still happens today characters die on game of thrones downton abbey and so many people are affected so i think there's so many levels of grief that that we kind of push off to the side like oh i feel this but you know it's a celebrity or it's a person that doesn't exist. So I don't justify these feelings. You know, justify them. Share your feelings. You know, leave a message on a Facebook page for a celebrity because you never know what family members might read them and really be touched by what you wrote. Even though there's 8,000 comments in the thread, somebody is reading it. Um, so we're going to talk more about this when I come back. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll hear you after the break on The Silver Lining. Must have a code that you can live by And so become yourself Because the past is just a goodbye Teach your children well you're listening to The Silva Lining, brought to you by The Silva Feria Funeral Home. Everything on our own. Hi, and welcome back to The Silva Lining with your host, Amy Silva Rigtrup, from Silva Feria Funeral Homes in Fall River and in Somerset. If you are just joining us, I've been talking about, you know, public and private ideas, I guess, and topics about funerals, grief, services, um, public ways that we grieve for people that we may know and people that we may not know, um, ways that were uh, impacted by celebrity deaths internet personalities, things we hear about in the news, even even characters that we read about, that we watch on TV, um, and how justified these feelings are and, and how engaging it can be because of the internet. Um, I was saying just before the break that, you know, a lot of these celebrities and a lot of these personalities and even characters have these Facebook pages, Twitter pages, um, and you'll see thousands and thousands of comments and I really, really believe that somebody in the family or somebody close to that celebrity that passed away does read those, even though there may be thousands and thousands of them. So I want to say to you, if you feel something for a celebrity, you know, write something on their Facebook page. Write something, you know, 
hashtag them on Twitter or whatever the term is. I'm still new to Twitter. I'm getting there. But it's it's almost like doing your part virtually to show up at the wake and show support to that family and to show the family how you've been touched by that person that they lost. Because every celebrity, every internet personality, every person that you may be grieving for in any level that you don't know does have a family and people close to them that do actually appreciate this. Even though most of these families do get to have their private services, um, they also usually set aside something for the public. Like I was saying before, some families allow publicity uh, or media outlets to be part of certain services so that so that fans and followers can, can take part in it. I remember... I remember being on vacation and watching Michael Jackson's funeral. I was tied to the TV that whole day. And I was I was so thankful that I was able to do that and that the family allowed this country and the world of all his fans to, to be able to take part in that, um, even beyond just being a funeral director. I know more than funeral directors are interested in watching funerals, especially for somebody like Michael Jackson, um, who I, I had the biggest crush on when I was like five. <laughs> and I thought he just was, uh, he was everything. I, I had one of those big pins, like the New Kids on the Block pins, that was like bigger than my face I would wear on my shirt. But I digress. Um, so there are ways publicly, privately, that society grieves together, engages together. Um, and another element of that is on the internet with forums. There's a lot of forums and Facebook pages and ways that people communicate comments um, and go back and forth and give each other advice, reach out to each other, help each other. Um, there are also, as with everything, or sometimes negative things here and there. But if you sift through that, you can find a lot of beauty online. And there was a forum that was highlighted just a couple months ago. And I think the actual post was pretty old. Uh, like a couple years old. But I guess what happened was somebody on a forum site posted something simple about, you know, I'm grieving. I lost somebody that I love and I don't know what to do with myself. And somebody replied to this post. And this reply is the most beautiful thing I've ever read about grief. So I'm going to share it with you and I'm going to post the link if anybody wants to read it later. This gentleman replied as follows. I'm old. What that means is that I've survived so far, and a lot of people I've known and loved did not. I've lost friends, best friends, acquaintances, co-workers, grandparents, mom, relatives, teachers, mentors, students, neighbors, and a host of other folks. I have no children, and I can't imagine the pain it must be to lose a child. But here's my two cents. I wish I could say you get used to people dying, but I never did. I don't want to. It tears a hole through me whenever somebody I love dies, no matter what the circumstances. But I don't want it to not matter. I don't want it to be something that just passes. My scars are a testament to the love and the relationship that I had for and with that person. And if that scar is deep, so is the love. So be it. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are a testament that I can love deeply and live deeply and be cut or even gouged and that I can heal and continue to live and continue to love. 
and the scar tissue is stronger than the original flesh ever was. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are only ugly to people who can't see. As for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning, with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage, and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float and stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are a hundred feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come ten seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still a hundred feet tall, but they might come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe. You can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything. And the wave comes crashing. But in between the waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. Sometimes you can see them coming. An anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas, or landing at O'Hare. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will again come out the other side. Soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming, and somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. So that brings us to a break so I can find a tissue. And again, I'll be posting that link on the blog if you want to read it yourself or share it with anyone that might get used to hearing that. So join us after the break on the silver lining. Listening to the Silva Lining, brought to you by the Silva Feria Funeral Home. Remember you. Remember me. 
welcome back to The Silver Lining. I'm your host, Amy Silva-Rigtra, Funeral Director at Silva Farrow Funeral Homes in Fall River and in Somerset. Um, it's our last segment, but if anybody would like to call in, the number is 508-673-1480. And now that the tissues have been cycled and the tears have kind of been wiped away a little bit, I figured I'd switch gears a little bit um, and make an announcement. Uh, I'm really, really honored that I get to announce this and that this is even happening. Um, but officially, I found out that my show, The Silver Lining, is being syndicated. Yay! I have to say congratulations. Thank you so much. As we much. wipe the tears away. Yes, totally. <laughs> now some happy news. Um, my show is being syndicated, which means mm-hmm. it's through the internet, mm-hmm. the interweb. The podcast network is called Funeral Radio, and it's a national podcast network that is kind of sharing in my mission, which is great to see. And when I found them and got to talk to them, they share in this mission to help move towards society um, unshrouding Mm -hmm. this shrouded industry, you know, offering insight and education and a relatable voice to an industry that a lot of people don't get to talk about, don't feel comfortable talking about, um, and and offering an in, informal setting to do so, so that you don't have to wait until you need us, you know, to have mm-hmm. to learn about what we provide. Um, you can you can reach out ahead of time. So this this is really exciting news, and I think as soon as next week, mm-hmm. my my blog, my podcast, everything will be shown as well on Funeral Radio. And nothing changes here. I don't have to change anything. I will still be with WSAR. And I just want to thank everyone that listens. And I just love doing this. And well, I'm congratulations really Congratulations from all of us here at the station to you thank as well. Thank you so much. You guys are the best. <laughs> and it looks like I have a caller. Hi, thank you for calling the Silver Lining. Oop, did we lose you? Caller, are you there? Oh, we Might have been a bad cell phone connection. Bad cell phone connection happens all the time. <laughs> we won't say which carrier I have, but there's a certain it spot happens. on the Braga Bridge where I always lose a call. Me too, going into Fall yeah. River. Yes. Yes. I want to know. Anyone listening, if that happens to you, right I'd before love you to get know what that is. To almost the midpoint. Yeah, of right the where the construction yes. starts. It's like happens there's a black cloud of satellite all the time. I get that too. But I digress. So to finish up, um, with public and private as the topic, I want to talk about services. Um, and, and a great example, I, I did get to speak with the family today and, and got permission from them to talk about this because they they kind of are the perfect example of working together with their needs for when they lost their loved one in both the public setting and the private setting. Um, Daniel Bavaris passed away this past July. And many of you may know him. He was assistant district attorney in Fall River. He was overall one of those guys that could make friends with anybody. Um, He just, he was great. And I I sound the way I sound because I grew up with his sons. And I've known him and his family since I was a little kid. And his his wife that he leaves behind is Kathy Ann Bavaris. So when I met with his sons and his wife, um, there was there was just this feeling, you know, I always try to find out the initial, like, how do you feel? You know, what what are the needs? And there was this feeling of wanting 
both a public element and a private element. There was a, a need for something intimate to be involved, and there was also the need, because he was such a public figure, had so many friends, touched so many lives, they also knew that there had to be something public, that they almost owed it to the people that loved him and knew him to come and not just show support, but to, to take part in their own grief themselves. So I told them that they, they didn't have to have it all or nothing. A lot of people assume with services that you have to decide. It's either public or it's private. Well, you can have one element be public and one element be private. Or you could always bring up any ideas that you have with the funeral director, and we can certainly work with you. So what we did in Daniel's case was we had the wake open to the public, and then we had the burial be private. And it ended up working out perfectly because they were able to reach both of the needs that they felt and still have that intimate private time, but still be able to to have that public visitation as well. So I bring that up because I want to break that assumption. And I also want to explain that a lot of people don't know how public and private works. I mean, as a funeral director, from a funeral home standpoint, when it comes to public services, private services, it's kind of pretty simple. You know, if you're putting out an obituary or something on the website or telling people services are Wednesday from so-and-so to so-and-so, that's public. You're putting it out there. So anyone that hears about it, it's out there. If you tell us you want the services to be public, that means anybody that calls the funeral home um, can ask for services and we can give them that information. That means that we will give our service information to our answering service and that they have permission after hours to give people service information when they call. When people request that services be private, um, what changes is simply that an obituary isn't put out or an obituary is put out and it says that the private, the services will be private. As a funeral director specifically, we usually run these obituaries the day after the services happen as a rule of thumb, um, because if, if you run the obituary in the normal time frame and say services are private, some people might not fully see that sentence or might see something happening at the funeral home, and, and you might not be able to fully control that people won't know that the service is happening. So the safest bet in our, in our opinion as funeral directors is to run, to run an obituary saying the services were private um, after the services happen. The other thing with private is it means that it's up to the family. When you say that it's private, then as a family, it means whoever you choose to tell about the services or to include is who's going to come. We don't give you a guest list or a number or any figures. It's, it's, it's up to you to include whoever you'd like. As a funeral home, it means that whoever calls us or reaches out to us, we have to tell everybody that it's private because there's no way for us to screen or know if who's calling actually is entitled to that information. Anybody can call and say their family. Um, so we tend to stick strictly with the people that we're actually arranging with as who we're authorized to talk about service details with. And that's the safest way to keep everything simple. What funeral homes usually cannot do, and this is another assumption I've heard when families sit in front of me, is for one example, they've said, oh, well, I want the services to be public, but there's about 10 or 11 people that I don't want allowed to come. 
for whatever reason. You know, it could be any reason. And that's one thing we kind of can't do. It's it's not very easy to exclude people. Um, I usually tell families in that situation that a way to put it is we're not we don't have the ability like a nightclub to have a guest list and a line and a door and a check-in and credentials. Uh, We just don't have the opportunity of being able to guarantee you that the people you would like excluded be excluded. So we don't get involved with that at all. That's where we as funeral directors, and I think most funeral directors would say, you have to make a choice. It's either public or private. When situations come up like that, because they're worried about an altercation or there's a family grudge, then that's kind of different. Um, we can't stand outside and exclude them. What we can do is the family can can hire a police officer to be there, which the family has to pay for. Um, or we can see what happens. We can put the staff on alert that something that there might be an individual that the family worries might have an altercation. And we just kind of keep on guard and do our best to keep the situation appropriate. So we will help if the person shows up, the family usually t- points them out and says, that's that's the person, just kind of keep an eye out. And if anything happens, we'll try to handle it ourselves. Maybe pull the person aside, politely explain the situation, see if we can keep things calm, have the person leave if that's what's needed. Um, there's a lot of different ways we try to help keep everything contained and situated. And we always tell families if something does happen or accelerates, then that's when we call the cops to come if needed. Um, it's not a topic that obviously anybody likes talking about. But again, with this industry, this is one of the things that that come up and that people do think about in the back of their heads. And I don't want families to be worried about bringing it up ever when they're talking with a funeral home or with anybody, because that's what we're here for. Um, so no topic is off guard. And speaking of topics, I have two shows coming up that I figured I'd share with you that are going to be really interesting and I'm excited about. Um, on 10, 10, sorry, October, on October 22nd, I'm having a show that I'm going to be calling the Funeral Director Roundtable. And it'd probably be cool in the future, depending how long I'm on the air, to maybe do a couple series of these. But what I'll be doing is having a couple funeral directors in studio with me, and we're just going to kind of have a conversation about the histories of why we all came into the business, the funeral homes that we work for, um, different stories about what we do when we provide services to our families, ways that we help in the community. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation, um, and you'll be delighted to know how much funeral directors you know, kind of work together and really get along, and there is no social gathering quite like a bunch of funeral directors when they're together. I have to tell you that as well. So that will be on October 22nd, and I'll be joined by Michael Roberts, Jeffrey Davis, and Debbie Almeida from Hathaway Funerals. Um, from Waring Sullivan Funeral Home and from Almeda Funeral Home. So look out for that in October. And then on November 5th, I'll be joined by Rabbi Mark Elber from Temple Bethel in Fall River. And he's going to talk with me about all the amazing Jewish funeral traditions. Um, Not a lot of people know this, but every funeral director in the country has to learn all of these for the board exam. And maybe a very small percentage of us actually end up serving Jewish families. So these traditions are 
unbelievable when you learn about them, and I think it'll be interesting to share the background behind these traditions and, and elaborate on that. So keep a lookout for those shows and every show as always. And thank you, everyone, for listening to The Silver Lining. Thank you. If you smile with your fear and sorrow, smile and baby tomorrow, you'll find that life is still worthwhile. with gladness Hi.